Hi, I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. Following her win on the third series of The X Factor, she dominated worldwide charts in 2007 with the album Spirit and its breakout single Bleeding Love. But by 2009, her particular brand of mid-tempo musings were providing diminishing returns, and her sophomore effort Echo garnered far fewer accolades. Seeking to reignite her career with a new sound in 2011, she released the up-tempo EDM track Collide, intended to be the lead single from her third studio album Glassheart. But a public feud with an up-and-coming DJ-slash-producer and threats of a lawsuit overshadowed the track's release, and it ultimately disappeared from the album's final track listing. Today we're talking about Leona Lewis and her song, Collide. Exciting news! Exciting news, Jason. Is it exciting news? This yes. is our season finale. It's exciting for me. We, we have arbitrarily decided that this will be our season finale. Um, we have hit uh, 50 episodes, and in part because I... Am obsessed with even numbers, numbers divisible by ten, and numbers divisible by five. Mm-hmm. Fifty seemed like a good place to stop. Divisible by both. I have a fear of doing things in like prime numbers, odd numbers. It's a prime number. Is that like like a number that's only divisible by one and itself? Yeah. So like, um, I would never want to do thirty-seven of anything. Mm. Is seven a prime number? Seven is a prime number. Would not want to do anything in sevens. The best numbers are divisible by two. The best numbers are divisible, again, by five or ten. The best numbers. Numbers divisible by three are also sometimes acceptable, which... Mm -hmm. Like a 27. Oh, also numbers that can be easily expressed as, like, percentages or fractions. Mm. I don't mind. Mm -hmm. Numbers like, uh, I don't mind 33, because 33 is ostensibly one-third. I mean, it always bothers me that there's the point that at a point three 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 oh, three three infin- like, infinite that, decimals. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. we never that we never talk about. Yeah. So I'll some I'll occasionally do things in thirty threes or sixty sixes. Sometimes sixty sevens okay, um, but never <laughs> ever like forty seven. Forty seven's awful. So anyway, we we realize we're coming up on fifty episodes. We realize that we want to enjoy our summer vacation. Summer vacation, like that's actually a thing. Yeah. What are we kids? But as such. This is a good time to kind of uh, take a pause, reassess, regroup, re um, reinvigorate ourselves, and um, you know make plans for what we're going to do with season two. Yeah, I mean we have, a, as we mentioned in the last in the last episode, we have quite a few suggestions on what we can do. Uh, yeah, there, there's no shortage about. of materials for yeah. us. But so as we come to the end of season one, how are you feeling? How did you feel about uh, doing this first? This first set of episodes, this first 50. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. Uh, you know, I watch, uh, I, you know, I, I love uh, the drag queen Katya. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she was being interviewed on uh, Ebony and Irony, which is Lady Bunny and Monet Exchange's podcast. And they asked, they asked her, like, you know, what do you think? You know, you 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 do uh with Trixie Mattel, you do the Bald and the Beautiful, the podcast. They're they're always touring and doing different things. Like, how do you do it? You know, what made you want to do the podcast? And Katya basically said, Yeah, no one tells you when you do a podcast that you like you're signing up for like forever. 
because it's just, oh, it's endless. Just, it's endless. Like it's not like a TV show or like a movie. You wrap and it's done. It's like it just keeps going. And I think that was one thing that I realized as we were doing it. It was like, oh yeah, we need to keep coming up with ideas after after our initial. I think maybe twenty or so. Uh, you know, ideas that you and I had drunkenly come up with in the parking lot of that bar. Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, yeah, that that's been really interesting. But it's been fun to kind of get to know and get to learn about some of these artists that, you know, I, I only had, a, you know, I, ha- I have one relationship to, and then kind of discovering all the other things about about them. How about you? So for me, it's been nice to have kind of like just something to work on on the side, like a hobby to kind of keep me mm-hmm. occupied. Um, we obviously spent the last year plus kind of just like putzing around the house. Um, fingers crossed that's changing now. Um, I hope. I've been looking at those numbers though. I hope so. I know I've been watching it too. Did we did we go too hard in the month of June? I'm just I like mean, look, it's it's with the unvaccinated people, so we'll see. <laughs> it's that Delta who knows what the Delta variant, the unvaccinated people. Um I told you though, like I I had my first uh I, I I had my first like friend or acquaintance who is fully vaccinated that tested positive for COVID, right? Yeah, but they are not okay. in the hospital, correct? Not in the hospital. They uh. got very sick for about a week, though. Um, so everyone be careful. I'm still wearing a mask everywhere. I go when I go to the grocery store. I definitely do. I feel like I could do that forever. Honestly, I I mean, when I think about like, could this be preventing me from getting like a cold in the future? I know I haven't had anything like it. Yeah, for for sure. Um, I'm t- kind of the same way, especially if I'm in like mixed company, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Like where I don't know, then I just do it. Like if I don't know all of our statuses and, and who can you like trust? That. Who can you trust in this world? Um, who can I run to? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I enjoyed having this to kind of turn to in these dark times that we've been in in the past eighteen months or so. But yeah, it, w- when we started coming up on the one year anniversary of us actually starting to record, I was like, wait, like, when do we get a break? I think that when we initially uh, started thinking about doing this, I think we were very optimistic and thinking that like, oh, we could record like multiple episodes at a time and like mm-hmm. we could bank a bunch of episodes. We could get like four or five episodes, you know, in advance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that would el- enable us to maybe only record every other week three out of the four weekends of the of the month but um we did not accomplish that <laughs> we, we we actually we did okay at the beginning we yeah. did okay at the beginning we we did have a, a run there where we were maybe four episodes out you know we had four episodes in the can that were ready to go out and then we just hit that point where we ran up against i mean let's be honest it was procrastination but like we ran up against you know, no more episodes in the can. When do we get together to record? How many can we possibly record to try and recoup all this lost time? You know, and then it became a little stressful and I was like, oh, like, is this even worth it? I was like, this is supposed to be a hobby. This is supposed to be fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so, so after a while, like the pressure kind of cooped up and I was like, okay, you know, like, let's take the pressure off for a little bit, take some time to regroup you know, reinvigorate, reinvigorate our uh, Flopper Deemer playlists mm-hmm. from which we are pulling these songs. I still have a few. I still have a few songs that I've wanted to talk about for a you while. You just like more flops. I just find them so fascinating. I, I Every once in a while, there's a song that is so fascinating to me, just like anthropologically, you know, mm. 
that mm-hmm. it makes the song good. It makes the song good. Just, you know, open your heart. Open your heart to them, Jason. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing this with you. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to know also if you have any hopes and dreams for where we go from here. Things that you maybe wanted to improve upon or change up or, you know, what's what, what is what is season two of Flop Redeemer look like to you? I hope I hope that we get to uh, I mean, I, I love I love just sort of our, our, you know, our conversation around a lot of these artists. But I hope we we can kind of like get it tight. Right. Like just do a, this is and kind of get to this sweet spot of like how much we delve into background and how much we talk about like the actual flop and. You know, just to to make them a little bit, maybe sometimes a little more digestible. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, I I think because we don't know, we don't know, listeners, like how much you know about these artists sometimes, and so, you know, we do a full background, and maybe you already know about them, and but but you know, maybe other people don't. So yeah, we're just trying to always balance how much uh, detail we go into. Yeah, it's been a struggle to try and balance out kind of like the scripted portions of the show. And then the candid portions of the show. And then also trying to figure out, like, if we plan too much, what we do when, I mean, to be frank, what hap- What do we do when an, al- uh, when an episode is clearly not interesting or not funny? <laughs> like, we've, I think we've hit, those, we've hit those two extremes of, like, here's something that's very, very scripted but not interesting at all versus, like, here's something that doesn't make sense. Is, it has no relevance whatsoever to what we're talking about. But it's actually, like the most interesting part of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then trying to figure out how to weave those two things together so that it's not just one hour and 25 minutes of us not making a whole lot of sense. And, I, and I'll and i say that, like, I don't do a whole lot of editing to these episodes. I think that if, one, if we had a producer, if we had a producer, like, listening to us in real time to kind of stop us when we're not making sense or stop us when we're losing the thread and maybe have us go back and like reiterate things so that they do make sense. We could make like the kind of movie magic happen in editing where it's like, Oh, like you can kind of reassemble like an arc basically to what we're doing here. But again, this is a hobby. We're not professionals. So is this part interesting? (laughs) I think it's like the inside, the ins, ins and outs of podcasting. I don't know. I just think about like, so when, when, when me and Davey were on house hunters that one time Mm -hmm. for like a 45 minute television show we shot 10 days eight hours a day and like yeah granted like there were breaks it was a lot of hurry up and wait but nonetheless there you know the shooting ratio was like there was probably like at least 10 hours of footage maybe yeah for them to boil down into 45 minutes we got to get the we got to get the uh the bts the the outtakes the the gag reel yeah I mean, you know, if we, I'm sure that if we sat around recording, um, talking about like, you know, Leona Lewis for 10 hours, I'm sure we could cobble together like 45 minutes of like solid storytelling about, about Leona Lewis, you know, but ain't nobody got time for that. Um, so we're talking about Leona Lewis today. Oh, when will the next season start? Oh, oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can you introduce that topic again? So... When will the next season start? That's an excellent question, Jason. Um, I think that when we talked about it briefly, 
it was nice to just consider like, oh, taking the summer off, mm-hmm. return in the fall. Very, uh, very traditional television broadcasting schedule type of s- stuff. What do we do? Like September? Like, do we go, do we go through to Labor Day and then have a big like, you know, season two premiere? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come what are what is that like September fourth or whatever the first Tuesday in September is? Yeah, um, I think it's yeah, it's the, yeah something like that. Because I think that would give us time to like. Hopefully, we wouldn't procrastinate so much that we don't talk about it at all until then, and basically end up in the same. Um, position that we're in now of just kind of scrambling all the time listeners that's a lie we are always so prepared and not scrambling no i'm i'm always prepared to do the opening and then everything after that is very much like a one line reminder of like please talk about this and then half the time i don't do it we don't do it like i put a line in there i'm like bullet point talk about this and then we don't do it it's because you don't always look at it. It's hard. It's hard to keep track of wh- where we are in the script. So we need like a cue card operator or something. Um, <laughs> all of that and more in season two of Flop Redeemer. Yeah, we'll 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 come up with a good first first step back. Yeah. God, we sound like we're rambling, complaining about our job. Well, <laughs> well, if, if I mean, if if we've come to that time where the rambling has set in, do you have anything you'd like to tell us, Jason? I would. I would like to remind everyone that uh, <laughs> songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopredeemer.com. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, which really helps us out. And check us out on social at flopredeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at facebook.com slash flopredeemer. And as always, email us at flopredeemer at gmail.com. Your tips, your suggestions, your love, no hate. I mean, you can send us hate. It'll just, I'll just not read it. Yeah. We're going to mark it as junk. We're going to have mm-hmm. Gmail flag. Report as spam. It. Mm-hmm. It's like all those random text messages I've been getting lately from like, I got a text message the other day that was for like a party line. I saw that too. It was literally it was like a phone number. People on, yeah. It was like call, like, like people on the West side are talking or whatever. You got that too? Yeah. It's so weird. I was like, is this, cause that was a thing in like the, 90s. 90s yeah so weird Even like before that and did it ever work for anyone like you call a random phone number and you then know, you just I, get I, dumped into one giant cacophonous phone conversation between like I mean, a million people it's, it's basically clubhouse right oh that's but, true that's true um but i i was again on that ebony and irony podcast with lady bunny and um monet exchange they were talking about how like you know for certain people in certain communities particularly gay communities but like depending if you weren't like in like one of the major metro areas it was actually a way to like just talk with other people like you it was expi- i don't i've never done it i've i don't know how but i guess it sort of functioned like those aol town halls mm-hmm. you know when when the internet first was like you know in its infancy um so, but I, I, yeah, I, I never it's did. So it's very pre-millennial. Like since yeah. we're like cuspers slash nearly millennials, I feel like we were exiting the historic period of time when like party lines were like a thing. I just remember the commercials yeah. and being too young to actually, you know, dial a phone well, and accidentally charge my parents like $700 or whatever to the yeah. phone bill. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you have to explain like, what'd you call this number for? Yeah. Anyway, anyway, you know what? Email us. That was the point. We'll be right back.
back. Should I bring us back? We're back. Jason. Yeah, we're back. We're back. So today I'm talking about Leona Lewis. And Leona Lewis actually came into us as a suggestion from a listener, kind of. So a listener by the name of George, he suggested that we talk about the song I Will Be by Leona Lewis. Do you remember that song? I listened to it today. Okay. Because I do. When I heard it, I was like, oh, I remember this. Yeah. Because Leona Lewis's first album had like six, six or seven different singles that came off of it. Mm-hmm. And I think as is expected, there is a diminishing return for every single ad- additional single that comes out from an album. So unless you're Mariah Carey or Katy Perry. Mm. <laughs> no, but well, did Mariah, Mariah didn't always have like consecutive number ones. She did on occasion. On occasion. But sometimes, you know, you get to that fourth or fifth single, you're not going to hit number one with that one. And yeah. um, and so for that reason, I didn't know that the song I Will Be was necessarily was necessarily compelling enough to talk about. Because to me, that was just like, well, that was the seventh single off that album. It came out like two years after the album was actually released. And I really wanted to talk about the song Collide. Sorry to this man. Yeah, sorry to this George. man. Sorry, George. But no, it, <laughs> no, but we will talk about it. Will we? I thought we will because isn't that the Avril Lavigne cover? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> See, George, I got you. I had always had this song collide. I've had this in my Flop Redeemer playlist that I, as, a, as a mm-hmm. song that I've wanted to talk about because this is a song uh, very similar to "Focus" by Ariana Grande that was originally released as the lead single to um, her third album and. Ultimately, the song did not appear on on the final track listing. And so it was this kind of aborted change in musical direction for Leona Lewis. And I kind of want to talk about like why Collide is actually one of my favorite Leona Lewis songs. I think it could have been really great for her. You know, what happened to the song? Why did the song disappear? And then, you know, what happened after that? Like where, because by and large, I would say Leona Lewis's music career never really reached the same heights ever again. So hopefully the, uh, you'll hold me to any of those bullet points and follow up on any of that information. Um, <laughs> so who is Leona Lewis? Leona Lewis, she gets her big break on the X Factor. Um, so again, this is someone who comes to us via a reality television singing competition program. We do love those here at Flop Redeemer. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was the winner of Series 3, which aired in 2006. She was mentored by Simon Cowell, and it became clear over the course of the series that Leona was an exceptional singular vocal talent. She gets her obligatory comparisons to like Mariah, Whitney, and Celine. And as I recall it, there was just such an emphasis throughout the season and all these assurances from the mentors and the judges, you know, that Leona Lewis was going to be a global superstar. Like she had this singular talent that up until that season of The X Factor, they had never seen before. You know, I think up to mm-hmm. that point, like, do you know who Shane Ward is? No. Okay. I think I know the name, but I, I don't yeah. know any music. I think up to that point, Shane Ward was like the poster boy for X Factor. But obviously, because we don't know who he is over here. Yeah. He never reached that kind of global success level. And I feel like throughout this season, as they are watching this, you know, very, very talented young woman kind of excel in singing all these songs, they were saying like, we have something special here. This woman is going to be huge. 
So following her X Factor win, um, Leona Lewis's cover of Kelly Clarkson's Idol winning single, A Moment Like This, breaks records in the UK when it is downloaded over 50,000 times in the first 30 minutes of its release. And the song eventually goes on to be the, become the second best-selling single in the UK in 2006. When this happened, I have to say that I thought it was kind of a weird, cheap move. <laughs> Like the song, I, yeah. I was like, "Why is it the same song?" Yeah, it's because it, yeah. you know they're both Simon Cowell affiliated. A moment like this at that point was not even what three years old, four years old. It was a, it was not that old of a song that it seemed like someone should be covering it, especially when the cover version was not a dramatic reinvention of the original. Yeah, it just was I, like uh, yeah. Leona Lewis's take on the same song. It didn't go in my mind to a place where you could think of Leona Lewis as anything more than like a cover artist or like a karaoke yeah, artist. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't to me, yeah, to exactly to your point, it didn't set her apart. Like it didn't give her a unique identity. It just kind of continues this sort of, uh, you know, reality show thing where, you know, so many of these reality shows, they're singing covers anyway. Mm-hmm. And so it's like with your first single, you know, and, and I don't know how much she had, how much a say she had in it, but. Probably it, zero like, to <laughs> yeah, it, it really, it didn't, to me, it did not sound better than Kelly Clarkson's, yeah. which it would be really hard to do. But nonetheless, like, I mean, the, the single is huge for her in the UK. And basking in this success, Simon Cowell, he works at a joint deal with Clive Davis and J Records, which is Clive Davis's imprint here in the United States, in order to introduce Leona to an American audience. And Clive Davis, we've talked about before, he is the the man who kind of uh how do we say it about Whitney Houston he he was like her Svengali Svengali he dis- he quote unquote discovered her you know as Columbus discovered America so did uh Clive Davis discover Whitney Houston uh, <laughs> right like I always feel weird saying like oh like so Clive Davis discovered Whitney Houston as though he is solely responsible for her breakaway success I mean I mean, you know, it's not, it's not um, untrue, but it's also like, you don't want to take away from the fact that like, there is nothing without Whitney's voice. Yes. So. (laughs) Yes. But he did create her image. Yes. To be with right or wrong and all the damage that that came with. Oh God. We need Um, to talk about Whitney Houston. One of these episodes. We really do. Maybe that will be our season two opener. I have my, you know, I have my favorite Whitney flop. There are quite a few. I think. I mean, especially towards the end. Oh, but. I like. I like. I mean, I. I. I love a uh, million dollar bill. I do like that. Just how too. absurd the idea of a million dollar bill is, but <laughs> just say it. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Just say it, Barry. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but, I mean, you know, we're talking about Leona Lewis. Leona Lewis. Anytime someone can sing halfway decently and <laughs> has that sort of poise. The instant comparisons to Mariah and Whitney. Yeah. And to be fair, like listening to listening to her vocal performance style, like I can hear the Mariah comparisons. She has she has the Whitney. She has certain uh like vocal tics or things that she tends to do with her voice that I feel like are directly inspired by Mariah Carey. Like the Mariah mm. Carey does this funny flip where her like mid-range goes straight into her nose, becomes really nasally, and then it flips up into her falsetto. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you think about like uh, the end of the chorus to my all, you know, Mariah Carey does this, like she does like a honking sound with her nose. And then all of a sudden, like her voice flips up, 
You know what I'm talking about. When you put it that way, I do not. <laughs> and I reject the I reject this now. Nasal honk followed by <laughs> flip into falsetto. It's like signature Yeah, That's Mariah exactly Carey. how we talk about Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think definitely Leona has this like breathy thing that she does. And then maybe mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about, where it's kind of like before she goes into her falsetto or her it, there there is a break. Yeah. There's a there's a point in her voice where she breaks, but she loves she just like sits in that spot for like forever forever and ever i don't know yeah i mean you know comes back to the well we talked about it before that like there isn't there probably isn't a single vocalist out there that was not you know quote unquote inspired by whitney and mariah um leona lewis is one of the few that i feel like i can hear how her actual singing was inspired by mariah carey Mm -hmm. So um, she gets this deal with J Records, Clive Davis. They start working on her debut album. And at least in part because of the hype and like high praise that surrounds her at the time and her X Factor win, um, she and Simon Cowell, they both go on record saying like they will they will take whatever time it ne- is necessary to complete this first album. Like they don't want to rush into this because of how how high they believe the stakes are for her. That if they do this right, like she could be huge. She could be the next Whitney or the next Mariah if they do this right. And so uh-huh. they do spend over a year, I think, making this first album. And the resulting album is 2007 Spirit, which leads off with the Ryan Tedder and Jesse McCartney penned Bleeding Love. So this song, originally intended for McCartney himself, was rejected by McCartney's label and subsequently given to Leona Lewis. And Jesse McCartney... If you don't know, he was most recently the turtle, I think, on The Masked Singer. Turtle? Oh. Frog? Oh. Lizard? He was I, something. You you act like I like I watched that show. Well, one of the weird things is I know who Jesse McCartney is. I don't know mm-hmm. why I know who he is. Because he was kind of cute back in the day. But what did right? he sing? Like, like he, he was, was a he was a singer or something. I mean, he was a singer. I know he was a singer. He was. He was, but it was I mean, I think it was a lot of times it was just because he was kind of cute. So he would show up on like gossip blogs, you know, like back in the day. Uh, sure, sure. But like that's on, the, on the heels of what accomplishment really. I mean, I think he was he on television. I feel like he showed up on television shows occasionally. He was making music that I don't think ever really hit it big. Well, because um, he was like, because he was like on all of the Disney stuff, so he was like, right? wasn't Wasn't he like part of like Lizzie McGuire and like all of those things? This I do not know. This, this does not before, ring a bell. Like I wasn't, I wasn't. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he dated. Get 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 those IMDb credits up. I'm looking. Who do you think he dated? Uh, hold on. I don't know. Yeah, no. Like he was Jason. There is there is no reason that anyone should know who Jesse McCartney is. I just remember him from those times, like that time with like all of those people. He felt kind of ubiquitous, but I don't know why he was anywhere. At any rate, at any rate, we don't need to spend any time on Jesse McCartney. He is a flop in and of himself. I mean, it's just one of those things where I'm like, it's like it's not a. He's just like in the water. I mean, it's just part of that. It's just part of that like machine that's like foisting teen stars on people all the time. But he's a like I know this person. He's the unique case where I actually don't know anything about him. Like, ask me anything about like even like I know who I know who Drake Bell is, and I know why why Drake Bell is famous, or like Ryan Cabrera. Like, I know where Ryan Cabrera is famous. 
But Jesse McCartney, nonetheless, anyway, he, 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 he must surrender this song. No, his label rejects it. His label oh, yeah. at the time, I think he was with Hollywood Records. So maybe there was a Disney mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. They just is. don't like the song. They think it's a bad song that he and Ryan Tedder of One Republic have written. And um, so Ryan Tedder decides to retool it a little bit, change the key, of course, and then get, give it to Leona Lewis. And... I think Jesse McCartney over the years has been rightfully salty about this because the song Bleeding Love goes on to become the best-selling single of 2008 worldwide. Do you think a male vocalist would have done, like a male, like a Jesse McCartney singing Bleeding Love would have taken on the world in the same way? It's hard to say without hearing it. I think that back in the day... When this news first broke that this was originally a Jesse McCartney song, I think he did like an impromptu, like he sang over part of it. But of mm-hmm. course, at least this is my memory of it, is I think he was singing over the Leona Lewis so you version. you do know him. Well, this is why I know of him. This is actually the only reason that I know anything about Jesse McCartney is because of this song. And I remember him really struggling to sing this song. But, you know, reportedly when this song was, you know, given to Leona Lewis, like Ryan Tedder, he changed the key, he you know, rewrote it a little bit to suit her. Uh So yeah, not to say that it would have necessarily been the runaway hit for Jesse McCartney, but you know, I, I would hate to, if I, if I were him, yeah, I would always have the, um, all the, the the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, you know, but the song for Leona Lewis, it does go on to become the best selling single of 2008 worldwide. It reaches number one in 35 countries, which according to Wikipedia, it's only the second song to do so after Elton John's tribute to Princess Diana, Candle in the Wind, 1997. That's a good one. <laughs> a good one. I forgot to put that on the playlist. I'll put that on the playlist. <laughs> um, and then in it's that so sad. <laughs> and then in that year, Bleeding Love was nominated for Record of the Year and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance at the 51st Grammy Awards. Mm-hmm. The album Spirit goes on to produce six UK charting singles, four of which, Bleeding Love, Better in Time, Run, and I Will Be, Breakthrough into the US Billboard charts, cementing Lewis's status as a global hit. I do recall that time being very Leona Lewis dominant. Yes. On the radio, on TV, her her particular brand of like mid-tempo adult contemporary was just slow movements arms extending the trailer for your favorite next nicholas sparks inspired movie um this is that a thing yet i think so this week on gray's anatomy right katherine heigl talks to the ghost of jeffrey dean morgan in a hospital bed do you remember that yeah i do okay i do I was going to call, what was his, what was his character's name? Denny? Or is that his character on The Walking Dead? No, that was his character on, um, wasn't that his character on Grey's Anatomy? I don't remember. I just remember this, the, the scene. She falls in love with like a really sick man in the hospital and she does Uh something unethical that almost gets her fired. And then is there a dream there? She sees his ghost or something, right? She has sex with the ghost. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's (laughs) the kind of music that Leona Lewis popularizes (laughs) in this era. It's, uh, Catherine Heigl having sex with the ghost. So on the heels of this initial success, they, you know, Simon Cowell has manifested everything that he said he would for Leona Lewis at this point. Right. And so moving into 2009 and her follow-up album Echo, I think that there was a, like a pretty obvious attempt to kind of stay the course 
with Leona Lewis and stick to the same types of producers, the same kind of sonic signature that they were creating for her with that first album, and then kind of maybe change it up a little bit for Echo. And that album is met with a much more mixed reaction from audiences. And the reaction is so mixed that the album only um, produces one charting single, and that's the song Happy, which peaks at number 31 on the Billboard Hot 100. And like Bleeding Love, that is also uh, written and produced by Ryan Tedder of One Republic, but it doesn't capture the time maybe as well as the first album did. And I remember that when the album first came out, it's like we had just gone through six ballads, six singles from Leona Lewis, all kind of these slow, you know, dirge-like ballads. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, yeah. And I mean, not denying that she has a fantastic voice. No, no, not at all. It's just that when you launch a sophomore effort, it's like, this is your opportunity to do something, maybe a a variation on a theme, something a little bit new. Like you don't want to, you don't want to shock people with something that's a total 180, right? Yeah. Maybe 45 degrees. Maybe uh, It's an evolution. Yeah. It's an evolution, And that's what you want. And I don't think that the song Happy was necessarily the evolution that we were looking for in 2009, like a full three years after she had won X Factor. Yeah. Again, it almost felt like it was the seventh single from her first album rather than the first single from her second album. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they're so kind of toothless, right? (laughs) Like it's... Yeah. It's just like... Like with the, with that, they sound so dated now. But like, I mean, again, it's not not to say she doesn't have a great voice or that they're not well produced. It's just they don't really go anywhere, and all of they're very formulaic mm-hmm. in a way. Like you know, and and it's crazy because you're thinking like this is her second album. How is there already a formula? But like to your point, there'd been six or seven singles before, and they all kind of follow the same kind of breathy at the beginning and then slowly building and she belts but not really right it's like her voice gets stronger she does a lot of breathy stuff yeah yeah it's one she's one of those artists that doesn't sound like she's belting ever and i'm like she doesn't sound like she's straining ever ever and i always wonder if that's um part of the production of it or if that's actually just how she is you know it sounds so passionless at times yeah (laughs) Or even if it is, you can just see her at the end. You know, a lot of other divas or or female singers of this would be like, you know, arms in the air, like gesticulating or doing things. And you can just see Leona Lewis at the end of every song, just sort of raising her fist slightly and clenching it. Mm -hmm. Right? Like just very like interior. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's like when I was watching back some of her... um, like the interview footage of her and the B-roll footage of her on the X Factor. There is something that's just like ultra pleasant about her mm-hmm. and not in a good way. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, I think that she's often referred to as being like very quiet and very reserved. Mm-hmm. And I think that that nature of like her, her like public persona affects like her performance persona if that makes sense it carries over like you can sense that you can sense that there is a feeling of control about the way that she's singing at all times and it never Mm -hmm. kind of breaks through into that aha moment or dare i say it it never breaks through into what i would consider like the x factor for her Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. or very rarely anyway. So her follow-up, 2009's Echo, again, it does not do very well for her. You know, I think it does decently in the UK, but compared to the worldwide success she had with Spirit, Echo is a huge disappointment. And in somewhat of like a fortuitous or a fortuitous moment, Leona Lewis is supposed to go on tour with Christina Aguilera that year. Christina Aguilera is launching her Bionic tour, which gets canceled because Bionic is also a flop that we've talked about on this show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, All the intersectionality. So many intersections. (laughs) But it also makes me think about like, oh, what was happening at this time? Like what was in the water here that like a lot of these things were happening in and around the same time? You know, we talk about the artists, again, that didn't make it from the aughts into the 2010s. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, something was happening there. And Christina Aguilera almost didn't make it, right? Yeah. So the Echo era comes to a close. It wasn't all that she had hoped. And following the conclusion of her small... um, She had a tour called the Labyrinth Tour that year. She goes straight to work on her third album, which is going to be 2012's uh, Glass Heart. And... What she does is that in the summer of 2011, in July of 2011, she releases a song called Collide. And this song is such a huge, like, change for her, sonically. And she wants it to be, like, a sum- the summer anthem of 2011. So this is the... Let's s- talk about Collide, yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> that's a good song. <laughs> so this is the song that we're talking about today, Collide. It was produced by um, a producer named Sandy V. He's a French music producer. And in the previous year, in 2010, he had had great success with a song called Firework for Katy Perry, as well as a song called Only Girl in the World for Rihanna. And so, you know, this is the year or two period where EDM is really taking over the pop charts. A lot of uh, pop artists are turning towards uh, DJs and dance music producers for the tracks to their upcoming singles. And so I think in an effort to distance herself from that mid-tempo Ryan Tedderness of her previous, you know, catalog of work, she picks up this, she picks up this track and she records this song. She releases this song and Almost immediately upon its release, things start to go wrong for her. So we can talk about the different things that go wrong for Leona Lewis when Collide. Well, let's let's just be clear. Like these things go wrong, but like I did, I have no idea because all I ever, I only experienced this song like out. Like it would come on out, or it'd be like at a day party, like you know Sunday fun day at the Abbey or something. Yes, yeah. And so, so I didn't realize that I was just like, this is amazing because this is like on the heels of like Commander, Kelly Rowland's Commander, and uh, When Love Takes Over, and it was just kind of ushered. There felt like there was this era of like, oh, these women that I that I have these big voices that I like are doing like the quote unquote Euro gay music (laughs) or whatever that like I was hearing out, and it's not just a remix. This is the actual song. And, you know, I didn't realize all the drama that you're about to talk about. Okay. Because, yeah, to your point, this song did become a U.S. dance chart number one. So it did chop the chart there, but it did not appear on uh, the Billboard Hot 100. It did not even make the final cut for this album. And what happened was that when the song was first released, it was credited to Leona Lewis. And almost immediately thereafter, a... A then relatively unknown uh, DJ named Avicii, he called her out online and basically was like, hey, like, you guys just plagiarized my song. 
Mm-hmm. And so what had happened was that um, Avicii, he had released a song called Fade Into Darkness in the previous year. And that song Fade Into Darkness used a sample from a song called Perpetuum Mobile by a artist called Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Mm-hmm. And... So there's a brief kind of unpleasant exchange between Avicii and Leona Lewis on Twitter about Leona Lewis making the claim that no, like everything was kind of above, above ground on this, that, you know, he had been sending the track out for people to write on it. You know, he, they had been in contact with him and his managers, you know, and he responds back to her basically saying like, no, that's all a lie. Like, tell me where you ever, tell me where we ever met or where we ever talked. And so yeah. the whole issue gets taken to court. Well, and, and and part of it was what Avicii and his management's understanding was Leona Lewis's camp was going to use the original song that he sampled. Yeah, yeah, that's what comes up. Not, that's what comes up in the course of Avicii essentially trying to uh, sue Leona Lewis and Psycho mm. Records to get the song pulled. Mm. Is that all of the claims that psycho and leona lewis had permission from avici and his management to use this version of the song you know they almost go to court over this avici's management says that their understanding was that leona lewis and her producers um they were going to use like kind of like the original piano riff from the penguin yeah whatever penguin Penguin cafe orchestra (laughs) that they were going to use the original piano riff from the penguin cafe orchestra version of the song and not you know, if you listen to Collide and you listen to Fade Into Darkness back to back, it's it's kind of like the same electronic beat and the same piano performance with slight variations. You know, they're not identical. It's uh-huh. very it's it was it's, a it's, very it's, different. It's very thing. similar to me to like when Vanilla Ice was trying to claim that um, Ice Ice Baby was not yeah. under pressure, that it was like fundamentally different. However, um, this this case almost goes to court, but. The day that all the parties are supposed to actually appear in court, they reach a settlement mm. whereby Avicii is credited as like a featured artist on the song. So it goes from being Leona Lewis collide to Leona Lewis slash Avicii collide. Yeah. And everyone seems super happy about this. I think that, um, you know, their lawyers all had their Twitter statements ready, right? What they say in the aftermath of this is like, oh, I'm so happy that this is over and that we, you know, it's all about the music and we have nothing but love for each other and da 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 da. da. It all sounds like stuff that was, you know, crafted by a a marketer. Excuse me, <laughs> not a marketer, a PR person. We are very different. Oh, um, take the slander. <laughs> So they get through that unpleasantness, but I think that largely like the air had been taken out of that single, you know, it creates the impact in that summer, uh, in the dance clubs, but it does not get heard on the radio. I would assume that after that point in time, it would be a little painful to try and do media promotion for that single. Cause at every turn, I would just imagine that Leona Lewis would be asked questions about, you know, what happened with the legal case. And I would just imagine that, you know, at that point in time, it might be easier to just uh, kind of start retooling things a Mm -hmm. little bit, which is in fact what happens. So the original release date for Glass Heart gets pushed from like late 2011 to summer 2012 and then eventually like end of 2012. So a full year this album gets pushed back as they as they start to kind of rework the track listing, rework the angle on it. 
And in this period of time, and this is something we've talked about previously as well, is that in 2011, RCA, which runs uh, Jive, J Records, Epic, a lot of those like Sony Music type of labels, I think. Um, this is the year that RCA officially folds a lot of their subsidiary labels. So J Records, which is the record label that Clive Davis started. It's the record label that Leona Lewis is signed to. That label officially folds in the midst of this. Mm-hmm. And so... So she loses that deal. She doesn't lose that deal, but um, I think what happens is that that creates kind of a rift in the timeline for her. That At the point when Collide kind of has this unfortunate turn of events... And then she's going through label turmoil. You know, we've heard from other stories that we've talked about with like Britney Spears or um, there was one other artist we talked about that made the switch over into RCA. And there's always that sense that like the the switch from Jive to RCA or the switch from J to RCA was not an easy one. And that work, mm-hmm. suddenly working with different people who had maybe a different marketing strategy or perhaps mm-hmm. no marketing strategy for you caused a lot of turmoil at this point in time, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so that's obviously a, a contributing factor into how Leona Lewis kind of drops off the map, I think. Mm. And then the third thing that happens kind of around this time is that Leona Lewis, um, she ends her long-term relationship. So she had been with her childhood sweetheart, a guy named uh, Lou Alchama, since, I think since they were like in high school. Mm-hmm. And in 2010, Leona Lewis ends this relationship. And the end of this relationship is cited as one of the main sources of inspiration for the song Trouble. And in 2012, the song Trouble, based on the end of her relationship, officially becomes the new lead single for Glassheart. It kind of erases the song Collide from history, basically. Mm. I actually think that the song Trouble is actually a really good song. You know, it's uh, yeah. written by uh, Emily Sande and it's produced by Naughty Boy. And on the positive side of things, it's actually like, I think where the natural evolution of Leona Lewis's music was going to be going. Right. In as much as yeah. Collide, in as much as Collide, in as much as EDM music for Leona Lewis, I think was kind of a surprise move. It was very much a 180. Um, going the Naughty Boy route, which is still kind of an electronic vibe, but also not necessarily like a dance vibe. It's more of like a trip hop vibe. I think that that was maybe nat- more naturally where Leona Lewis's kind of uh, mid-tempo adult contemporary upbringing was going to go. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it's a very it's a very Emily Sandy <laughs> Sunday Sandy Sunday. Um, it's you know it, it, that's the thing. The, the interesting thing about Emily is that. Um, all of her songs, they sound like her, right? And so even when other people are singing them, they sound like her. And it's, you know, and Emily collaborates a lot with like Labyrinth um, and other sort of electronic producers. So yeah, you can definitely see it here. I see what you mean by being a good song. It is that thing though where, and I I don't mean this like to like drag her, to drag Leona, but like she kind of just, to repeat a word, she kind of drags the songs down always. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like it's like a Victorian bathing gown. You know, the ladies <laughs> would go in the water and they would just drown because it was like they were wearing miles of velvet. And it's like it just kind of like you can't swim, you can't float, like you you know. And they always because it's always kind of sounds like it's being sung the same way, whether it's a ballad or whatever the production is. It's always kind of just this sort of I, I don't. It's not even laid back. It's just 
dirgy, but not, but not, but <laughs> not, not, it's not like it's like devoid of joy or anything. It's just, it's not mournful. It's just, it's not, it, it goes on no and on. <laughs> yeah. Like I think you mentioned before, there's, there's a lack of charisma that's, that's puzzling to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so what happens is basically collide gets, so to summarize, to summarize collide this EDM high energy single yeah. for Leanna Lewis, a huge change of direction for her. It gets scrapped in the year prior to her album being official, officially released. Um, she and her label decide to go with the song trouble, this Emily Sunday mm-hmm. song. Um, again, it's, it's a great song, but it's kind of more of the same. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I think that, uh, Leona Lewis needed to be doing for her second album and not her third. It's just enough of a change from her kind of iconic original sound, uh-huh. but an, enough of a change from it that like you don't feel bored by it. In thinking about it this whole week, I think the whole crux of my, the whole crux of this episode, I think it was originally in my head relying upon like, well, the whole conflict with Avicii was really what took down this song. It's what kind of signaled the death knell for Leona Lewis's days as a hitmaker, but. When I listen to her albums in full, when I listen to the final version of Glassheart in full, I was kind of like, oh, these are all just okay. None of them mm-hmm. are as spectacular as I thought. Even going back to her her first album, I was like, oh, these so- I remember these songs being so spectacular. I remember being so blown away by her voice at the time. But now in retrospect, I'm like, I don't know that I feel anything for these songs anymore. I don't know that I get anything from these songs anymore. I think, and I think you were alluding to this is I think where I end up with Leona Lewis in a lot of ways is that, you know, the, the overarching problem is one of kind of blandness, you know, that you can have this technically perfect voice, but a technically perfect voice does not make star power. It doesn't make the X factor. It doesn't actually make for a great song. Like there's so many great songs sung by imperfect vocalists that kind of disprove that point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was listening to a lot of Leona Lewis this week, really, really like um, gritting my teeth through it. <laughs> wow. Here's the thing that I was kind of struggling with all week is in this modern era, I sometimes feel like I don't have an attention span anymore, right? We're just, we're, our, our, our lives have been upended by like TikTok and Instagram reels and all this like short form content. Like we, we can't concentrate on anything anymore. And he said, he said at the one hour, one minute mark of our podcast. Shush, shush you. <laughs> I don't expect anyone to listen to this all the way straight through. <laughs> but here's my point. Here's my point. Almost all of Leona Lewis's songs that I was listening to this week feel like minutes longer than they actually are. I was listening to her albums thinking like, my God, this song is over five minutes, realizing like, wait, no, this song is three minutes and Mm -hmm. 50 seconds long, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that quality is where almost all of her songs, it's like the tempo is just slightly too slow. It's, it's like slightly slower than you would think it would be if it was like, um, a Kelly Clarkson song. It's it's like when you're having song. that having that dream where you're trying to run away and your legs don't move. Yeah, it's like, and like your mind's racing, water, you know. Yeah, and you're like, only I can get a little bit faster. Like they feel very of that moment in a way. In a, you know that in I yeah I don't I don't know why either because I kind of had the same 
reaction. And I, I don't dislike Leona Lewis. And she has a great voice. It's just like the material and the way she performs it. Because we listened to some of the... You, you put some other songs on the playlist. A very similar songs done by different artists, right? There's that Christina Aguilera song, Blank Page. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's... They're all sort of like maudlin songs, right? Like, I mean, they're they're all kind of like... Like, I think you mentioned like the notebook. Like, they're very like to be sung in the rain <laughs> at like a, you know, you know, you know, wet. Yeah. Or it's... like from behind a gauzy curtain. But but there's a way that she does it where it like, like to your point, it's like technically good, but it doesn't move me and it doesn't have, there's none of the imperfection or there's none of the sort of where you break away from the click track or whatever like this the you know there's no swing there's no air to her performance so it it doesn't ever feel motivated by real emotion a Mm -hmm. lot of times like you know she just kind of sounds sad a lot of the times even when she's happy yeah um and it's very even keeled i would say like i mean blank page by christina aguilera christina aguilera famously kind of uh overdoes it uh-huh. With yeah. uh, the 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 levels that she'll give you in a song, it'll be you know the deepest of deeps and then the highest screechiest screamiest highs, right? Uh-huh. Leona Lewis is almost the exact opposite of that. She doesn't give you enough. So I think that when we were talking about some of the songs on this playlist, um, you know, like for example, um, in one of her albums, she does a cover of an Oasis song. Um, Don't look back in anger. No, no, stop crying your heart out. <laughs> Lesser known Oasis song. I had actually never heard of this Oasis song because it came out in 2002. But she does a cover of uh, Stop Crying Your Heart Out by Oasis. And I was listening to the song, but the Leona Lewis version without knowing the Oasis version. And I was like, my God, this is a terrible song. This song goes nowhere. It does this thing where... Um, you know how sometimes in a song there's like a build up into mm-hmm. what you think is going to be like a spectacular chorus like mm-hmm. the drum beat starts like ramping up and then you're expecting like a huge hit this song does a lot of that thing where um i don't know if you've ever been on splash mountain and sometimes splash mountain will take you like up on this climb and there's like a level of anticipation and you're thinking that you're going to drop and it really it it drops you like half a foot yeah you forget you, you crest level. you crest over that hill and then you realize like oh there's no drop here nothing well, what, I, what I noticed about this song and some of the others is that the instrumentation the production those all build to a climax there's an introduction of a choir you know the 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 sound is starting to swell the swing the strings all, everything's coming together yeah. And then when she hits the last chorus, she doesn't change key. She's not like belting. She's just kind of maybe a little bit louder, right? But it doesn't, you don't have the catharsis. Yeah. The release of just like what you've come to expect from, I want to say, female singers of this caliber singing this kind of song. Like, you think of a Whitney, you think of a Celine, you think of Mariah. It's that last third of the song where they they just explode and take it home. And those are the iconic performances that we remember. And this has all of the production of that, but none of the delivery. I feel like when you have these songs, these kind of like uh, really sentimental, Mm -hmm. really overwrought ballads, you're either going to have like the instrumental do the heavy lifting or you're going to have the vocals do the heavy lifting. Yeah, Uh, You know, 
preferably they would share the load, right? They, they would both yeah. go a, a long way in terms of providing dynamic range, but uniquely with Leona Lewis's music. And I, I wonder if it's like a production problem. There almost seems to be an intense focus on maintaining a certain volume throughout her entire song. So there's like a, there's like a fear of a crescendo. There's a fear mm-hmm. of like these swells that you're used to again in like a Celine Dion song or a Whitney Houston I was just going to say like the, like the correlate the, to me, the exact, corollary is like Celine Dion doing It's All Coming Back to Me Now or Power of Love. These things that are like very syrupy, right? And they're all they're like melodramatic to the point of cheese. And yet they're the delivery, there's so much conviction in it. And they're and they do just kind of go off the rails in a way, right? Like yeah. it's everything's dialed up and the you know the vocal matches the performance and the, of the of the, the production and the music and the crescendos like you said and it just it just kind of sweeps you away and it's almost like this is starting to simmer but it never it never boils over yeah it's and it's and it's something that's so in my mind it's very uniquely leona lewis because again like i brought up the emily sunday song in part because in that year 2012 the year that glass heart comes out emily sunday also releases her debut album and that album is amazing and i think that Vocally, Emily Sande actually has a very similar vocal quality to Leona Lewis, but there's something about, it's it's intangible. It's the rawness of her vo- vocals. It's something about the vocal delivery. It's about the rise and the fall. It's about the song production that it takes you on the ride. It, it, gets, you, it gets you over that final drop into Splash Mountain where you're like, yeah, like this is what I'm waiting for. Leona Lewis is literally... She never takes you off that final edge, you know? Well, it's kind of like what you were saying about when we talk about these indie artists or alternative artists and as they come into their sophomore albums, you know, um, you know, when they become technically more professional and more polished, that it takes away sort of the grit mm-hmm. or the, the sort of, not authenticity, but just that thing, that electric spark. And I think you can see that with Leona. And I, I feel like this is a product of the um like the 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 reality singing competition thing where every you know it's your performance your your vocal performance your actual physical performance and the way that you you know you you comport yourself on the stage and to to get votes and to to do all of these things it veers towards this sort of airtight perfection mm. and i think that maybe we're starting to see you know as as the the show formats have evolved you know, when they let the, the artists now bring their, their instruments and write their own songs, it's because, you know, the ability to perfectly replicate a cover version of like a famous song or a famous ballad does not mean, it does not translate into success or compelling artistry, right? And so I think that's kind of what, like you look at Emily Sandy and it's like, it's not that her voice is less good or like, it's just, there's a technical it's it's not as technical yeah you, you know it it you feel it like it's just sung by feel as as opposed to painting by feel instead of painting by numbers you know it's funny like i wonder if having the pedigree of reality television of having a reputation of these technically impeccable live performance vocals you know, if that puts an additional layer of pressure or if that's a consideration when they're producing tracks for her, that they're like, 
well, she's known for this impeccable voice. We need to make her studio recordings impeccable. Mm-hmm. And then in the process, it's just like, well, now it it doesn't go anywhere. These songs don't go anywhere. Her performance doesn't go anywhere because there's so much put into making it sound quote unquote perfect. Do you think so? You know, I, I think one person that we haven't talked about that I think is an obvious comparison point is Adele. Because didn't they go to the same school too, like performing arts school? Yes. So uh, Leona Lewis did go to the Brit school, which is the British recording something, something. Yeah. But yeah, it's where Adele went. It's where um, I think Amy Winehouse went there. And Jesse Ware, I think. Yeah. And um, Jesse, what's her name too? Jesse J. Yeah. Um, Well, I I just think it's interesting because Adele is also known for sort of this precision and sort of very perfect, I, I want to say very adult contemporary recordings, right? But again, I think it comes down to her voice. There's a, there's a catch in it, or there's like a, there's just something. Of, there's a richness to Adele's yeah. voice that I think is missing from um, Leona Lewis. And I mean, I hate to boil it down to something as just physical as strain. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. I think we've talked effort. about this. What like, if it's just effort? Effort. Just, you know, you yeah. hear you hear Katy Perry struggling to hit the high note in Firework, and you're mistaking that for artistry. But <laughs> I don't think you're mistaking it. You the the but it, what it, it is it, it is makes you feel respond, a certain way. We respond to yeah. that passion, right? Or yeah. like the the effort, right? It's it's the same way. Like you 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 tend to. Um, I mean, watching someone who can just consistently hit a three point shot or whatever, like over time, can be boring. Yeah. There's no struggle. There's no sense of challenge, and it's not. It's not. It's very re- not relatable. Because I mean, to me, Adele's voice has never sounded effortless for her, which I think helps you feel what she's trying to make you feel. Mm-hmm. Probably did not help her nodules, but you know, <laughs> yeah. So where did we land on Leona Lewis? I, like she's pleasant. It's 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 just, and this is this is the thing. This is I think that this is where I landed on this episode and wanting to focus in on the song collide, or at least uh-huh. become a champion for the song collide. Is that I think that that change in direction for Leona Lewis to do an EDM song, I think it went a long way in terms of making her voice more interesting because of the nature of the production style. I agree that so when that song came out, I was really excited because, like we said, we we'd come off of six or seven of very similar songs. Starts with um, an organ. All of Leona Lewis's songs start with an organ. <laughs> then it has your um, your Ryan Tedder drummer inside of a, a cacophonous church, <laughs> right? Like the most echoey of all echoey drums. Yeah, yeah, and and just very lots of reverb. Yeah, always like, the same thick, Ryan Tedder beat. Thick. Always yeah. the same Ryan Tedder beat. And and. Again, it's not to say it's bad. It just sounds like that time. Yeah. Right? Like, it sounds... And and I think you had played... On the playlist, you had the Beyonce song, Halo. You had Already Gone mm-hmm. from Kelly Clarkson. You had these Ryan Tedder songs from Leona Lewis. And it is true. Like, when you hear them all sort of... Even though they're not the same... A couple of them are very similar, right? They do all sort of blend. And it just becomes beige in a way. Because, like, yeah. Halo is not one of my favorite songs either. Um, Beyonce did all the heavy uh, for Beyonce doing Halo and Kelly Clarkson doing Already Gone. They, as the vocalists, I think were doing the heavy lifting 
in making those songs great. Yeah. I mean, but that's truly what it is, right? Yeah. It's like they 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 took that formula and they kind of rested it into their own sort of thing. And I I think that, you know, Leona Lewis hasn't shown us that she's that kind of artist. I, I it's not yeah. to say that it's not there, but you know, I don't get this I don't know I don't actually really know who she is because a lot of times they are kind of covers or they do just sort of seem derivative of, of her own material. So, but I, again, beautiful voice. <laughs> beautiful just never Because it never takes me there. And that's always been the thing. That's why I really res- collide resonated with me because I was like, ooh, this is the Leona Lewis I can get behind because she's doing something different, right? Like, yeah. She's utilizing it in this exciting way. For the, to me for the first time. Yeah. She's exceeding like 100 beats per minute. <laughs> I think this song is like 124 beats per minute. But I swear like all of her other songs, it feels like a slowed down Kelly Clarkson song. A lot like some of her other like, you know, adult contemporary output. I'm like, oh man, just, you know, ramp it up a little bit. <laughs> this yeah, is a four minute just, song. You could have made it three minutes and 30 seconds if you just sped it up a little bit. Just a little bit, I think, because it just gives it that energy. They, yeah. they're, all, they're all very lethargic. Yeah, like, no they momentum. They don't energize you at all. And, you know, you and I are not the people that need to be like dancing all the time, right? Like, yeah. I'm a solid, mid- I love mid tempo, but the chemistry isn't there. No. All no. the time. <laughs> When Leona is initially producing this album, Glassheart, she also records a song with Calvin Harris called We Found Love. And in part because of the delays of the album, in part because of her switch of labels, like all of the stuff that's happening in her life, Calvin Harris decides to give that song to Rihanna instead. And of course, that song goes on to become a huge number one hit for Rihanna. I was reading that thinking like, well, this... This gives me a vision into like what that third album from Leona Lewis could have been, you know, and really, you know, a new and exciting way that Leona Lewis's voice could have been deployed because, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about Rihanna. Rihanna's not the best singer in the world, you know? No, but, but there's something about I... <laughs> like the way that when they, when they found the way to use Rihanna's voice, yes, they found a magic formula for her. Well, this song was for Rihanna. What I'm not sure it would have done for Leona. I mean, because Leona Lewis claims that her version was much, much better. Okay. Here's the thing. (laughs) I like, I, we just talked about collide, right? It, it does take her voice in a new direction, but you listen to that song. She stays at the same level the entire time. Like in it doesn't collide. really in collide. Yeah, yeah, it still doesn't really build, right? Like it's it's all the production, it's it's yeah. the Avicii of it all. You listen to the "We Found Love" with Rihanna and Calvin Harris. Now, yes, there's a lot of production there, but there is a pleading nature and just a joyful. There, there's that Rihanna ness of it that takes it to another level. That like honestly, if Leona Lewis had just done it the same way she did Clyde, I don't think we'd be talking about "We Found Love." Mm. I really don't. There, you know, there's there's an edginess claim. to there's an edginess to Rihanna that you cannot deny. Yeah, that's true. Carries that into something else. Rihanna at the time and continues to be cool. Leona Lewis was never cool, and I, you know <laughs> she's not. I mean, it's I like her, but she's not cool, right? Like she's just not. She's not that. She didn't have that like. Was edginess. Rihanna always cool though? I think that Rihanna grew into no, her but I'm coolness. saying like at that time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, like she was. 
cool. Like she she had that edge. And when the video, certainly when the video comes out and it's like, it, it was kind of a raw sort of grimy video, right? Mm-hmm. With like the, the the model who was like playing her boyfriend. It was it was just, I can't imagine like Leona Lewis doing that. And I'm not saying yeah. that that, but but that all contr- all of these things come together to create this image, this new image of Rihanna because yeah. it wasn't just like R and B, right? It wasn't like hip. It wasn't what you expected, like in terms of like hip hop. It yeah. was definitely more of a fashion, like just a character, like like a new persona. And so, I don't know that Leona has ever really had a new persona. Yeah, right. I mean, like, I like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Again, not to say, not to say. They're just different. And so, yeah, I, I would have been really interesting. I mean, I wonder if if there's a demo, if her demo of it is somewhere. Lost um, to the ages. It's got to be somewhere. Gotta right? be somewhere. has got to have it. That's an interesting point, though. I mean, you know, again, like, I'm not the biggest Rihanna champion, right? But I think in the time that we've been doing this program and then we've been talking and Rihanna comes up, it really you really do realize like, oh, you know, Rihanna's not the best dancer, but that's okay. She's not the best singer, but that's okay. Like whatever, whatever this magic formula they is, whatever this magic <laughs> formula is that they find for her music. Um, do you know what it is? It's the X factor. Oh, uh, bringing us <laughs> back, bringing us back full circle. <laughs> no, and it truly is like, I'm like, oh, like. So much of Rihanna's success relies just upon like who she is as a person or who mm-hmm. you believe she is as a person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's just a, a mythology around her and a vibe right. around her that you're like, yeah, like I buy into this, into this electronic dance music from her or I buy into, you know, whatever this next song she's going to come out with. Like you'll go with her on that ride and she's truly been able to like experiment with her sound, work with different people, never get pigeonholed into something you know, in the way that Leona Lewis has. Um, well, and she she 100% inhabits that space, right? Like whatever she's doing, whatever the vibe of that album is or that music is, she 100% inhabits it in a way that like Leona Lewis to me, the songs have to inhabit her. Like in, in that way, like the songs kind of mold to who she is and like Rihanna kind of becomes whatever she she wants or needs to be. To, to to bring that song and whatever that essence of that song is to life. Um, and so I just, yeah, it's it's just, it's it would be really interesting. <sighs> so in conclusion, Leona Lewis, um, check out Collide. Collide is good. Collide is amazing. Collide could have been the turning point in her career. Instead, it was a speed bump that sent her right back to where she came from. Um, I mean, she's doing okay. How is she? So, she I mean, is. let's let's she's go let's acting. go through it because Glassheart came out. Glassheart did not do good things for her. Um, in the year that followed, she was um, making efforts to part ways with Psycho Entertainment and Simon Cowell. Um, she finally leaves Psycho in 2014. She signs with Island Def Jam, releases a single album in 2015 on Island Def Jam, which also does absolutely nothing for her. Mm-hmm. I think it's very much. A lot of those songs on that last album of hers. What's that called? I Am Here. Mm-hmm. Nope. I don't even know the, the name of her latest album. I the, Am. Oh, uh, oh my God. It's called I Am. So her 2015 album, I Am, like, you know, it leads off with a song called Thunder. Wasn't there a Jesse J song called Thunder? Yeah. Anyway, again, like I, I listened to that album. I felt like 
that album suffered a lot of the same pitfalls of her previous output. You know, it just never went into the places that I wanted it to, or it never built up in the way that I wanted it to. And yeah, I mean, since 2015, her output has become very, very sparse. You know, reportedly, yeah. like, she's no longer with Island Def Jam. Since then, she's released a handful of collaborations. You know, she did a brief stint on Broadway in Cats, which is terrible, by the way. On Not, which one? She was, she, was, uh, she was in Cats. Oh, yeah. For four months in 2016. Um, I was just trying to remind our listeners that Cats is the most terrible Broadway musical of it's all time. The lo- at, at one time, the longest running show in Broadway and also secretly the most terrible. No one will ever talk about how terrible it is, but I'm telling you here now. I'm pretty sure they do now, especially when the movie came out and people who'd like just had this idea of what Cats might be right. like finally saw what it was about. They were horrified. You hear that one song from Cats, um, the memory song, and then... You know... You, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you hear memory, but the, the, the one redeeming thing that Cats did is that it inspired Rats, the rusical... From season 13 of RuPaul's Drag Race, which is fantastic. Or no, wait, is it season 13? No, no, no. It was, this is, is UK Drag Race. It was I, UK honestly, Drag Race, honestly, right? I don't know. I'm just here to tell you that um, Cats is terrible. But um, as you pointed out, uh, great things can rise up from manure. I mean, Barbara Streisand's whole, like, like from the 80s on, I think, is one of, one of her biggest things is her cover of Memory. Okay, so two two good things came out of cats. Um, what was my point? Oh, so Leona Lewis, Leona Lewis is uh, largely not releasing music currently. I mean, there's singles here and there. There was a single in 2018, 2019, 2020. Here's a hem. There's a hem. Everywhere you look, there's a hem. <laughs> hey, you know it's a singles game now, right? <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Is like, but like that. you know, but by and large, like we're not hearing Leona Lewis's music. Yeah, especially here stateside. I don't know what it's like in the UK. Maybe she's getting some play out there. I mean, I would assume that she's a large enough celebrity in the UK that she can still get gigs here and there. But you know, by and large, the promise of global stardom that was touted so widely during X Factor, you know, it it, it peaked suddenly and then it dropped off very um, quickly. Mm-hmm. and um that's leona lewis yeah i mean go back you guys tell us what you think because there's a few of you who like feel very strongly about leona lewis i'd like to know like what moves you about her yeah that's the thing i think that like on other podcasts where they talk about leona lewis or just i guess fans of leona lewis in general you know there's there's a lot of bold claims about how good leona lewis actually is and that we're sleeping on her but i i I, I think her producers fell asleep while they were making this music. <laughs> we to, to be clear, though, we are redeeming Collide. Redeeming Collide <laughs> in stark contrast to how I feel about the re- remainder of her discography. No, that's you not know, I, will, I will also say, I will also say, I do think that her version of, um, is it I Will Be? Oh, the Avril Lavigne song? No. Yeah. Wait. I think, yes. Is, okay, yeah. I think her version is better than Avril's. Okay. I I don't know if that's controversial, but like her voice to me is... It's, it doesn't it, sit in a good spot of Avril's voice, I guess is what I'm saying. And it was a weird song for Avril Lavigne. Yeah. But... Yeah, um, it's it's definitely more of like a songstress type of voice. Oh, was that... You know, was that you pandering to the person that originally suggested this? 
not pandering. I am responding. Okay. And I am being inclusive. I mean, I remember I will be being, you know, a moderate hit for Leo Lewis. I remember hearing this song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I just, I just forgotten about it, yeah. you know, cause there were so many songs they, and they all blend. They all blend yeah, into each other. It's, it's, it was funny to read the characterizations of like Leona Lewis's album track listings where like, Oh, this is her, um, emotional ballad. And this is the uptempo dance song. And this is the electro dance thing. And this is trip hop. And I was like, they all sound the same. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know how to distinguish all these sounds. Like they're not that different for me. Yeah. They all have the same sonic signature. They all have the same like kind of down tempo vibe. They all have the same um just even keeled Leona Lewis vocals. Again, so proficient, so ta- talented, but it gives me nothing. Anyway. It's like Alexis. Not not a woman named Alexis, but like the uh, the car, the Lexus. Oh. Uh, okay. It's like <laughs> She's like Alexis. Very off to say with that luxurious one. Luxurious okay. and high quality, but doesn't inspire passion in a lot of people. Yeah. Right? Like if someone gave you Alexis, you'd be like, this is a fantastic car. Would I? Yes. I you never would, I, I never I never saw the point of Alexis. <laughs> I was I would I mean, you know, I would have been more excited to receive an Acura over a Lexus. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's that's something a, more the exciting about an Acura. That's what than... I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's <laughs> and maybe maybe Emily Sandy's more of an Acura. Yeah. Even though, because right, there's something. I felt like there was something more uh, luxurious and prestige about Lexus. Yes. But to but, the point of like people would always say it felt soulless. They just look like uh, gold marshmallows, you know. Well, they do now. Yeah. Except for now, they're trying to like put these gaping like predator grills on them. I didn't even know Lexus like still exist. You, you never, I never see anyone driving a Lexus anymore. I think that's why I made the comparison. Oh, okay, okay, good on you. All of the uh, car enthusiasts in our listenership, did you understand that that was where Jason was going? Write us, a, <laughs> yeah. write us an email and let us know. Um, Jason, uh, we've come to the end. We've come to the end. It's the end of season one. I feel like, you know, this episode went off the rails. Uh, so par for the course for season one of Flop Redeemer. Mm-hmm. We're going to try and keep ourselves on the rails for season two. Um, We're on the off the rails within like, you know, an hour. <laughs> I'm not even talking about off the rail in terms of time. I think like off the rails in terms of like, um, uh, especially with my episodes, the, 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 the point where uh, you realize that I'm not making a solid point about anything. <laughs> That. And you just want to talk about them. <laughs> I just want to talk. About, I want to talk about you know Leona Lewis's Twitter feuds. I should have just led with that. I just want to talk about Leona Lewis's Twitter feuds. Well, we're not re-recording this one. No. So. <laughs> well, no. It was just the whole Avicii thing. The whole Avicii thing could have been the whole episode because that was all I was really interested in. Well, maybe that's what we'll do. Yeah. We'll we'll just find the grand granule of interest. Uh, yeah. And, and, and talk about Just that. Just pique your interest, Jason. Um, but, you know, as we come to the end of this first season, we so would long, like... farewell. We'd like to thank you all for listening, for sending us your suggestions, for rating and subscribing to us on the multiple multitude of platforms because uh, we really enjoy seeing the stats every week. 
Barry mm-hmm. always gives me an update. Um, All about those metrics. Uh-huh. We want to give a very special thanks to Adam Elder for composing our theme music. Uh, songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website at flopredeemer.com and continue to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Check us out on social at Flop Redeemer on Instagram and Twitter. We'll be trying to post more while we take a break surfacing some of these uh, playlists for your vacations uh, so that you can uh, take some of these songs with you. Um, And uh, email us at flopredeemer at gmail.com and give us your suggestions for season two and what we should talk about. Yay! Happy summer! (laughs) 